This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CMB Preferred. BFM 89.9, 7.06 a.m. on Wednesday, the 14th of December. You're listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning. As always, let's recap how global markets closed overnight. And it was an amazing day in the U.S. because at one point, the markets were actually up 700 points for the uh, Dow Jones. But nonetheless, they, they did close a little bit lower. So the Dow was up 0.3%, S&P 500 up 0.7%, and the Nasdaq up 1.01%. Meanwhile, in Asia, Nikkei was up 0.4%, Hang Seng up 0.7%, Shanghai was down 0.1%, Singapore Straits Times up by 1%, and our very own FBMKLCI was down by 0.3%. For some thoughts on where international markets are heading, we speak to Jack Cousy, Director for Strategy at VFS Group in Sydney. Jack, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Now, uh, we saw US Consumer Price Index uh, posted posting its smallest monthly advance in more than a year at 0.2%, and that's lower than the median estimate of 0.3%. So do you think this means that the Federal Reserve will take a less hawkish stance when they meet um, later this evening? U.S. time. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yes. I mean, I, I think we're going to get half a percent. I don't think we're going to get any lower and I don't think we're going to get any higher. I think last night's read shows that the Fed Reserve is starting to win the battle. Now, let me put this in a World Cup analogy for everybody <laughs> out there. It's half time, and inflation is up 4-2. But the Fed is starting to get their defence ready, the midfield's working hard, and the strikers are starting to hit the goals even more. So it's still a long road. I mean, let's not forget that inflation for the year, year on year, is still at 7.1%. Sure, it's better than expected at 7.3%, but it's still a very high inflation rate. I think the worrying sign out of last night's read was the food inflation, which is in at half percent. So pending any spikes in energy prices... Uh, due to geopolitical reasons or somewhat, or OPEC cutting more, I think we're starting to get a read on inflation and we're starting to temper that down and break it down. But there's still a long way to go. And I still expect that we will hike rates into mid-next year. Um, I'll just comment about last night's price action. Even though we finished up, I mean, it was a pretty big reversal on the back of some good inflation numbers which is a worrying sign for the Christmas rally. Um, but nonetheless, it was a good number and it shows that the Fed's starting to to at least um, get some points back in this struggle against inflation. Okay, but Jack, I'm going to use another football analogy. At the end of the day, is the Federal Reserve like Croatia? So you can prep, you can come so far, but you can still be beaten 3-0 in terms of their inability to engineer a soft landing for the US economy. Yeah, look, I think the... the I think the question mark's still out there. Um, there's no doubt that interest rates are starting to have an impact. I mean, we're starting to see the labour market unwind. We're certainly seeing the property market starting to unwind, both in the US and around the world. The consumer is starting to tighten their belt. And, you know, earnings, while they haven't been collapsed, they've, they've certainly been down and, and forecasted down. Now, the question is, is it a soft landing or a hard landing? I still think they can navigate this through and, you know, move us past a recession or even avoid a recession in the first half of the year. But look, I think energy is still a big factor. You know, if we start to see the oil price come down even further, I think that will be very good for the global economy. It'll be good for, for, for that 
you know, type of recessionary proof that we can have. But look, the question's still out there. But what I can say is that the last couple of months of figures have shown that the Fed is starting to make an impact. And it's a choice of, you know, two types of cancer. Do you want inflation or a recession? I think everybody wants a recession instead of inflation because inflation is, I think, the terminal cancer. Um, and we're starting to see some some good green shoots here uh, around that. Uh, Jack, looking at tech, I mean, I think the current um, interest rate hike, um, inv- you know, have, have had investors and analysts currently bearish on U.S. tech stocks. Would Australian mm. IT companies offer a better hedge against a recession and inflationary concerns compared to the traditional fangs? No. <laughs> um, no. Uh, look, uh, look this, I always maintain there are really only two types of technology in the world. Uh, if you really want to drum it down and be simplified. There's US tech and there's Chinese tech. And I think if you're going to invest in those areas, they're the ones where the core of your portfolio should be in. Um, You know, there are some great Australian tech companies out here, but they also are on a small scale with a small economy. And yes, some of them are pushing out to the world. But if it's going to be a growth-orientated world and we're going to roll back into tech, and I still believe we will, then they're the two areas of the world where I want my money to be playing. Okay, uh, let's talk about China. Uh, It's gradually reopening, albeit the numbers of COVID cases have been on the rise. But global funds have poured 11 billion US dollars into Chinese onshore stocks. Are you a bull in that mark for that market? Yes. So I think you're seeing what you're what you've seen in the last 12 to 18 months, and we've talked about this a few times. Is particularly in the last six to seven months, you've heard the word China is uninvestable. Now, what you've also seen is fund managers and hedge funds and global ETFs and you know index trackers have reduced their weighting in China, whether it be in an EM index or a broad portfolio. Now you've started to see the reopening. We haven't seen an earnings collapse from Chinese companies on the back of this massive tech regulation we saw in the early parts of this year and last year and the late parts of last year. And now you're trying, you're, you're seeing the catch-up trade. So you saw that massive flow of inflow into China, that 11 billion you're talking about, from global investors trying to rebalance or reweight into China on the back of you know some good data that's coming out and the reopening. I think that's going to be a trend we're going to see continue over the next six to 12 months. You know, China moves out of sync from everybody else. And if you want to talk about an out-of-sync trade, I think China is the one that you're going to be looking at, particularly in the second half of next year, once the volatility of reopening occurs. Now, you've got to remember, they are going to reopen, but they're not going to reopen like everybody thinks they're going to reopen. It's not going to be a pull a band-aid open and, and let's go. It will be a gradual reopen, and that will mean COVID cases will rise. You might see some mini lockdowns. Um, but the second half of the year, I think, will be even a better year as the full engine of the Chinese economy starts to rev up. So I think the flow of funds are going to continue, um, and I think people are going to be, you know, I'm not going to say falling over themselves, but there's going to be a real charge to rebalance into Chinese assets. And um, as hopes are buoyed by China's gradual reopening. What do you foresee as the sectors or companies that have the capacity to be resilient or who could benefit or will benefit from this reopening pattern, um, especially looking, I, I suppose, at players on the MSCI ASEAN index or, or other players within ASEAN? Yeah, I think the consumer is going to drive the Chinese economy. Uh, there's no doubt about it. 
you know, if you start to reopen, people are going to start to move around this big mainland. Um, they're going to start to spend more money. I still think they've got some real big pent-up savings there and they're ready to spend. And, you know, China's got, you know, a bit of a favourable environment where inflation isn't that high in China. So they can loosen monetary policy, which means I think your consumer cyclicals and consumer stocks are going to do very well. You know, I look at the likes of Mates One. I look at the likes of Barber. Uh, uh, in that e-commerce space. I think they're going to do really well in your, your holiday providers, et cetera. So, you know, if I was going to be, if I was going to back Chinese stocks, I'd be, I'd be backing the ones that are driven by the Chinese consumer and the Chinese middle class. Um, and they're some of the names I'd be looking at very, very seriously in terms of, you know, increasing my exposure to that. Now, you've got to remember, I'm one of the few fund managers in the world which has an overweight allocation to China and has had so for the last 18 to, to 24 months. So I'm, I'm set, um, but I think a lot of people are going to be looking at that as a way to outperform um, general indices around the world. Jack, thanks very much for speaking to us. That was Jack Kuzi, Director for Strategy at VFS Group, the eternal China bull in some ways. <laughs> it must have been a very painful 18 months, though. But hopefully there's um, the light at the end of the tunnel coming up very soon. 7.17 in the morning, we're heading into some messages. And when we come back, we'll take a look at more top stories in the newspapers and portals this morning. Stay tuned to BFM 89.9. The World Market Watch is brought to you by CIMB Preferred. Moving forward with you. Visit cimbpreferred.com.my for their preferential services beyond banking. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.